Welcome to Tech Insights from Infotech Research Group, the podcast where our group of expert analysts cut through all the noise and focus on what really matters. The cloud was a good place to be in 2020. Actually, if you wanted to keep doing business, it was the place you needed to be. As businesses shuttered their offices and were forced to work from home for most of the year, many turned to the cloud to keep the productivity tap turned on. And with so many retailers having to close, we saw a lot of e-commerce efforts launched as well. Yet you might be surprised to learn that cloud growth didn't take off like a rocket. Just look at the recent financial performance from hyperscalers. Microsoft Azure reported a revenue growth rate of 48% for October. Now that's good, but it's down from 76% the October in 2019. And then there's Amazon Web Services. It reported growth of 29% for the third quarter. That's down from growth of 38% one year ago. So yes, cloud spending is still growing. It's just not growing as fast as it was a year ago. But many expect that that will change in 2021 with the return of growing growth, if that makes any sense. Why? Well, IT budgets might be better off if the economy returns to life, and many companies are realizing they need access to cloud services to stay competitive. If you can't hire a team of data scientists, you can still tap into AI by using a service like Amazon SageMaker. Also, a lot of governments are waking up to the cloud era and realizing that they haven't created enough rules for the area yet. So different regions around the world are introducing new regulatory requirements about how data is stored, transferred, and accessed. To react to the new laws, companies wanted to improve their agility. So here today to walk us through it all is Craig DeVars the global head of cloud at Aptum. Welcome, Craig. Thanks, Brian. It's nice to have you here. I saw you a year ago. We were just saying uh, it seems like 2020 has been a longer year than average. So it's good to catch up with you again. Absolutely. So, Craig, some of our listeners may still be learning that Aptum used to be Kojiko Pier 1, and we understand that you operate data centers in Canada, the US, and the UK, but can you just briefly explain what Aptum does? Absolutely. Uh, we deliver co-location services, complex managed hosting services, cloud services, you know, really include security data protection and uh, DevOps managed services. So it, it is a really a full spectrum of IT services, everything from traditional IT going into sort of cloud native approaches. Um, and, you know, we, we do address uh, customers and help customers at every different point in the maturity scale. So whether again, you're new to cloud um, and you're just uh, beginning exploring sort of uh, new cloud architectures and operational models, or whether you're experts in cloud and maybe you're born in the cloud, you know, we, we do, uh, uh, deliver uh, solutions that, that really help those businesses uh, uh, get across the full spectrum. And we're one of the few companies that are able to provide true hybrid infrastructure. Um, so let me just explain that a little bit more because Aptim's hybrid multi-cloud offerings um, really expand again, both data center environments and then the hyperscale uh, public environments. Uh, we offer the services across um, North America, Latin America, United Kingdom and Europe. And we, we really deliver total solutions that are tailored 
um, options across that fully uh, managed uh, solution spectrum, including high performance global networks. And we have about 20 years of experience managing those critical data infrastructure workloads. And then, you know, we really try to maximize business outcomes for customers with the proven approach, uh, you know, to data's infrastructure. So it's going to very uh, key message that we drive where we really want to ensure that your data is, you know, on the right cloud for the right reason. And, um, you know, that's why we sort of concentrated on enabling uh, those hybrid multi-cloud services for enterprises while reinforcing our role as a, a leading uh, solutions provider. Okay, thanks for that summary. This is why I wanted to talk to you about this topic. You're helping so many different clients access the cloud. I think you've seen it all from different levels of sophistication, and you, you really understand the different types of environments that customers uh, are, are using to interact with the cloud. So uh, having that now, I wonder what Aptim's experience has been like in reacting to the crisis of COVID-19. Um, how did it affect you? How did it affect your customers and their approach to your services? Um, yeah, no, great question. And uh, we saw two sides of the coin, Brian. One side was where customers that were in certain industries really saw healthy growth. They needed to scale very quickly to, to manage this growth. So, you know, typical customer or typical companies and organizations like that would be uh, e-commerce customers, uh, typically on the uh, the retail side, where again, the other side of the coin, where we had a lot of customers scale back, um, you know, really went into uh, a, a point in time where they almost had to turn the hibernation uh, um, light on to just maintain a pilot light uh, while the economy started to uh, stabilize and recover, where customers more in the say travel tourism industry. So again, those are just very broad examples of you know industries that have been affected in diverse ways. And you know when you look at the customers that again went to really uh, fast-paced growth to keep up with demand because of the changing environment, uh, cloud became very significant because again, you, the whole nature and spirit of cloud was to provide on-demand elasticity, right? I need to scale up my environment really quick. I need to do it today. Um, cloud really provided that benefit. Uh, on the flip side, for customers that needed to scale back and knew that, hey, you know, demand isn't there yet, um, or demand isn't here today. And, you know, uh, I still have a business after, again, you know, uh, you, we start to come out of this or we see the light at, in a tunnel. Uh, I need to maintain data. I need to maintain my data. I'm not going to turn all my systems off. I'm not going to turn my infrastructure off. But, you know, I, I'm not going to also pay for, um, you know, an operational expense to, to run at full capacity. So this is where, again, cloud was beneficial, where I could scale back deliberately um you know to maintain the least amount of cost and the minimum cost within my environment but be able to scale back up when demand starts to increase again so again that that was just again a, a very specific scenario around you know uh, customers that had to pivot uh over the last year um from a data center perspective again we saw different aspects uh for our, our data center customers where you know um uh, sourcing from a hardware perspective became an interesting conversation. Uh, so Aptum was in a good position to help customers scale from that perspective, uh, where uh, we had a lot of folks that, that again, were uh, ready to go at, at a, again, a customer's request based on 
the criticality of sort of uh, uh, their business. So again, if if there was a need again to scale within the data center itself, as long as uh, you know we had a healthy uh, supply of service from the supply chain, we were able to deploy services really quickly. And it, again, it was another uh, case where we had a build in flexible uh, building models for some customers that again needed to scale back. So even data center, we had to pivot uh, with trying to mitigate or, or cater to a different type of customers in different industries. That's interesting. So it makes a lot of sense what you're saying that certain customers like in retail wanted to scale up because they're, they were shifting all their demand to being online. So they wanted to be ready for that. But then other customers, like if you're in tourism, uh, you, you don't need cloud capabilities if you literally can't be in operation because people can't travel to your destination. So then they're scaling back, uh, which, which is interesting because typically we hear cloud vendors talk about being ready for the peak demand, you don't hear a lot about uh, being able to scale back and control your costs when when, when the time calls for it. And it, it makes me wonder, um, as you were helping your customers that found themselves in that situation, you know, with these forecasts that I was referring to earlier for next year, um, what are your customers talking about? Are they getting ready to scale back up at this point? Are they feeling like there's so much uncertainty, they're just wait, waiting to see? or Tell me about how they're preparing at this time uh, for a, an uncertain future. That, that's yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's actually uh, multifaceted. Um, so on one side, again, the economics discussion plays a big role in this. This is, I think, where the beauty of hybrid starts to come out uh, for a couple of reasons. The first reason was around just uh, the general workforce. So again, you know, as we went through lockdown measures during COVID, a lot of folks asked themselves, I'm like, gosh, you know, how do I maintain my infrastructure, especially if it's on-prem and I'm managing it myself? So that that was a that was a huge question because again, we were putting in tight restrictions around, you know, what a critical workforce might look like and what essential services might look like. Uh, and then you had a hesitation in the enterprise where, you know, they had, you know, maybe uh, uh, situations where they were short of staff or, you know, again, there were health precautions that, and health uh, uh, security measures that were put in place um, based on the, the people that could sit in the office or sit in your own data center. So I think one part of that answer is, you know, do I need to, again, look at um, shifting model where, again, I'm not so reliant on my internal staff managing my infrastructure? Can I look at a service provider? Can I look at an outsourcing plan whereby, again, I go back to focusing just on my application, focusing on, um, you know, my core business so that physically having people in my own data centers is not a, a, a critical path item to running my business. So I, I think that was one aspect of it. And, and again, it went back into the outsourcing discussion where outsourcing IT was sort of a, again, a, a very broad view across the market around IT functions, manage IT services, and then manage IT infrastructure. And, you know, putting yourself in a position where, again, you have a very clear and structured BCP plan. Right. So, again, part of that BCP plan, you know, speaks to IT resiliency and, you know, just making sure that um, you keep your business up and running no matter what happens in the world. Um, so that that's one big consideration, I think, uh, you know, really forced uh, our customers to, to go back and look at their entire 
IT strategy. And uh, interesting point to that is that, um, you know, again, you, you go back to the discussion around scalability that you brought up is, yeah, you know, do I have the uh, capability of continuing to, to scale that hardware up and down if I'm doing it myself? So again, it, it, it you know, we saw again, tight restrictions in supply chain, you know, just being able to procure hardware and being able to then implement and deploy and and uh, get that hardware up and running. So that that whole scalability nature of again running a data center yourself became extremely, extremely difficult. Uh, the other part when it comes to scalability and when I talk about hybrid, uh, the economics discussion is important because uh, folks started to look at, you know, the most viable option um, to keep your costs optimized by looking at the architecture behind your, your IT stack. So in one scenario, again, you know, you have to ask yourself what applications are right for cloud. And, you know, typically, again, you go back to uh, a very easy formula around the economics of data itself. And I, I think you kind of alluded it to earlier around you know how much does it cost to access that data how much does it cost to move that data how much does it cost to store and secure that data again they're they're again very finite examples of you know being able to create a sustainable business no matter what happens to the economy and using cloud for again certain workloads works really well especially if you're again embracing cloud native approaches and then using the data center for certain other workloads especially if you have large databases or legacy applications that are more suited to be in a data center um, allows you to create again a, a interesting architecture around um, your IT transformation strategy, especially if you have a long term strategy where again you're still moving applications between on prem to public cloud. So I think I think that agility model again was a, an important discussion point for a lot of our customers to say again, yeah, I want flexibility in my design. Like I want to be able to to really uh, be able to to go between public cloud and uh, an on-prem data center based on the economics of that solution, and you know keep flexibility uh, around you know where I want my data to be or how I want my data governed and managed. So, yeah, yeah I think I think that in part and parcel with you know trying to manage sort of the uh, the remote worker situation too was uh -huh. a massive factor. Okay. Let, let, let's hear a little more about that. I, that's interesting, Craig. I like this idea that um, companies are trying to assess where is it best to have my workloads. Um, in, in the last couple of years, I've heard this conversation about uh, companies that go, move everything into the cloud and then realize, hey, these input and output costs uh, are, are really expensive. I didn't expect so many uh, costs just on moving data to and from the cloud. We have to scale back and actually put some workloads back on our own infrastructure so we're not paying such high operational costs. So I think the awareness of that is growing, but I'd like to hear from you uh, what you're seeing recently in, in that sort of trend and um, how are companies approaching the management of that? Is Are there tools they can use to do that? Are, are, is there a best practice you can recommend in terms of uh, how you determine where to put your workloads? What, what do you uh, tell your customers to, to do when they're approaching this question? Yeah, I, I love this question too. And just at a very high level, uh, the way we approach everything uh, is from a strategy first uh, point of view. 
So let me just decompose that really quickly for you, uh, because I think in industry, and, and you know this very well, I mean, over the last uh, decade or more, you know, we came up with the term cloud first. And the term cloud first was somewhat misunderstood. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, executives and boards took that idea and said, you know, let's push the company in this direction. And and uh, it, it it was it was a term that people latched on to saying that everything has to be cloud. And and the truth is, no, there is a very pragmatic approach to approaching cloud. And, you know, it stops with the starts with a top down strategy to, again, look at the business outcomes and look at your applications to um, then determine suitability for cloud. So again, you know, there's a very uh, common model that we know in industry uh, and whether you call it the six R's or seven R's around uh, assessing your application stack, you know, it, it goes from everything from, you know, should I replace that application or, you know, maybe I want to refactor the application for cloud and then really determine, you know, should that application be in SaaS? You know, do I want to maybe uh, refactor it, put it into PaaS, or you know, can I leave it sort of in an IaaS model, or don't even put it in the cloud? Like, let's again keep it on-prem because again, it's a legacy infrastructure, a legacy application that's going to cost me way too much money to modernize for cloud. Therefore, you know, let's keep it on-prem because it serves its purpose, and we won't see the ROI investing to modernize it. Maybe it's a legacy application in three years that I want to turn down. Um, so again, it, yeah, it, it's going back to that approach to say, I have to do the proper assessment. I have to create the proper strategy before I even look at what my, you know, my long-term plan is. So that, that's sort of just high level. I wanted to explain the approach that we take with all customers as they sort of embark on their cloud journey or if they're already in the cloud journey and, you know, they're reassessing because maybe, you know, there, there were some pitfalls they, they kind of landed in or they, they took some missteps in the beginning and now they're they're trying to recalibrate and figure out what to do so in that case i, I do want to talk about that because you brought up a good point around you know cloud workloads moving back and forth so in some cases where we've seen customers move to the cloud really quickly uh run up and you hear this all the time i, I ran up my bill and it, it's 2x or 3x what it used to be or what I expected it to be you know that that really speaks to a few things one again is um does the application it, itself need to be optimized um uh does it need to be modernized uh is it again really truly cloud native whereby again i'm leveraging the power of cloud and some of the tools in cloud uh to run my workload and we see this all the time because again you could take a bare metal uh application dump it in cloud and not consider the licensing aspects. Like we see this with SQL all the time. You know, you know, SQL, you, you get charged on the amount of cores that you're using. So again, if if you didn't create an application that was made for the cloud, and you know, again, you're you're running tons of CPU resources where you need more and more cores, and it's a SQL backend application. Well, guess what? Your bill is not even the resources in cloud itself. It's your SQL licensing. So again, that what that forces you to do is say, okay, I got to pull back the application, or I got to figure out in place how to modernize that app really quickly to leverage something like PaaS. So again, that that's the type of examples that that we see day to day. And our, I mean, yeah. our approach right now is, yeah, I, again, it's an ROI conversation. You know, is it quicker to again modernize that app and leave it in cloud and optimize it, um, uh, or if you're in a bad situation? Yes, do I need to bring it back 
into the data center because it's more appropriate for the data center. Maybe again, the ROI doesn't um, tell me to go and invest the money to modernize it and then run it in a hybrid situation. So again, that that is a very common. Uh, the the right. two other examples maybe I'll throw out to you is uh, mm -hmm. uh, innovation versus transformation. So what I mean by that is uh, on the innovation side, we do see uh, a lot of AI ML workloads, uh, you know, and, and this goes back to, you know, standard dev and uh, test type uh, applications where again, yeah, I, I want to use cloud as a test platform and that, you know, I want to run my POCs. I want to take pizza dough, throw it on the ceiling, see if it sticks. And, and see how it works, right? And then once I have a, you know, a, a viable model, then I might bring that workload back into the data center because I know how it works, I know how it runs. Um, I have a, a consistent picture of what my resourcing requirements are. So if I got a, a, a consistent spend forecast and resource forecast, you know, can I create again a more economical or viable model in the data center? And again, yeah, so we see a lot of situations like that where we see again, folks really testing out new applications approaches in the cloud and then bringing it back into the data center once they've proven that out. Okay, that's good. That's a good takeaway there that um, just because you test something in the cloud doesn't mean you have to run it there. So um, good, good to think about uh, what do I really need to do or what will it what will the operating model for this application look like? Um, so let me take this interview to a bit of a different spot, though, because, uh, you know, while we're talking about cost management and the concerns about that in the cloud, you know, they've also seen a lot of companies go through uh, big tra digital transformations in the last few months here. And I imagine you've been helping some people along this journey uh, by nature of what Aptum does, of course. So I just want to hear that story about the customer that pushed your limits, the most sophisticated cloud infrastructure that you had to set up. Um, and I, I just want to hear uh, the, the customer that challenged you the most. And um, of course, you don't have to I, you don't have to tell us who they are necessarily, but just tell us about uh, the scenario you found yourself in and a little bit about uh, any interesting new things that your, your customers pushed you to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a we have an amazing customer in the ad tech space, and um, again, another example of a fully hybrid customer, where again, you know, they they've really taken an approach to create uh, amazingly tailored, high performance um, uh, server cluster within the data center that works in conjunction with the cloud. So, I mean, this customer, what they do is they offer sort of that self service cloud based platforms where ad buyers can create, manage, optimize uh, digital advertising campaigns, uh, just sort of across like all ad formats and devices. And, you know, they, they have a lot of integrations with uh, a lot of the major data inventory and uh, publishing partners. Uh, and, you know, they really try to ensure maximum uh, reach and uh, decision capabilities through APIs, and they allow for uh, custom development on their platform. So. I mean, sort of to stay ahead of competition, um, you know, they, they really try to offer this uh, technology platforms that uh, delivers uh, speed, volume, and agility uh, for ad tech. Um, but I mean, that level of competitiveness, um, it, it doesn't come easy. Like they, um, I mean, consider the industry share volume and velocity. I mean, on average, uh, you know, we were seeing about 9 million queries per second, and that's their benchmark, right? Um, so each query is like an advertising buyer jockey, uh, you know, uh, to score the best inventory at the best price. And, you know, 
to do their job effectively, buyers uh, need to access the most accurate information in real time. So, you know, what that means, again, from a, a solution perspective and, and where Aptum helps, uh, it was around uh, sort of a hybrid model for hosting where, again, you know, I have this super high performance database that, that needs to be constantly optimized and tuned that sits in the data center. And, um, you know, I need this network fabric that connects the data center to my public cloud, which in this case happens to be uh, AWS because I, I, you know, I have a, a, a ton of data that I'm putting in S3 buckets. Less, less demand from a high performance perspective, but still needed to, again, uh, uh, allow for the sharing of data to a, a lot of the uh, pairing partners that interface with this company. So on the network side, again, what you're doing between the data center and the public cloud is you're tuning the network, you're building new pairing partners. You need to connect to all the core pops uh, around those markets so that you know you can figure low level things like BGP routes to make sure you're getting the fastest latency possible. So again, you compare and you can really integrate cloud on ramps like um, AWS Direct Connect. We have uh, multiple uh, 10 gig interfaces back to this customer's environment to AWS directly to AWS data centers, right? And that again helps with the uh, network right. tuning. This is the private infrastructure, the private connection to the cloud rather it. than Absolutely. going through uh, the public internet. You got it exactly right because again, you're connecting this big data, high performance platform sitting in the data center and multiple different data centers too, back to the AWS cloud. So again, this is a perfect example of again uh, optimization tuning in the data center and then using AWS for again a very specific purpose because again, usually in the hyperscale cloud providers, you can't go and specify the type of hard drive you want. You can't specify the type of NIC you want. Right. So if the application is dependent on those technical features within the server itself, that's where, again, you, you create an environment where, again, I have a tailored solution um, in the DC. Again, economics plays a big role around that. Performance plays a big role around that. And then I use a public cloud again for uh, those very specific business needs or business requirements that allow me to toast my application. And again, it, it's all about maintaining those milliseconds of advantage for the buyers. Right. That really sounds like a, a, a sort of almost like a stock ticker type of situation, almost like a trading desk there, except maybe it's with ads instead of stocks. But uh, that does sound like a, a, a situation where the infrastructure that they're building is their competitive advantage. So it's so critical um, to, to shave off every millisecond possible so they, they can deliver those real-time uh, ads in this case. That is a fascinating uh, sort of scenario you've got there. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I'll be get I'll, trying to my I can't stop my brain from trying to guess who they are, but uh, I'll I'll leave that for another time. Um, let's go to talking about all the regulation coming to the cloud because I referenced this into the introduction, and uh, this has been a real topic of conversation at Infotech. I know my colleagues work on this quite a bit, trying to help our customers get through all the different regulations that are being introduced and trying to anticipate what might come next. And in some ways, uh, this year seemed to be the governments decided they suddenly wanted to be more involved in the cloud. And uh, you had the US, there was a president that was threatening to ban certain cloud services from China. In Europe, you saw the launch of GAIA-X, 
which is an effort to spur a cloud industry there. And then we also made it more difficult for companies to transfer data out of Europe uh, without a custom agreement after a court ruling with this Schrems 2 case, right? And of course, in China, I mean, they're just this whole other jurisdiction that does things their own way, a totally different set of rules for what can be stored and accessed. And, um, you know, you're, you're operating on this international uh, scale. You, you uh, coordinate with different cloud services that are based around the world. And I, I just want to hear from Aptim. What, what are you thinking about this regulatory scenario? What are you talking, what are the conversations like with your customers about this type of uh, fast moving regulatory environment? Yeah. And, and again, there's two ways to look at that. Number one, as a service provider and again, the the regulation that I operate in and the compliance that I adhere to means that I was I will always protect my customers' data, right? That that's the first thing I want to say. So, I mean, uh, because we're we operate in an international uh, manner, which is again different than you know uh, other service providers that just may oper operate in one country or one region. Uh, yeah, we we are. Uh, uh, you know, very in tune with uh, a lot of the data protection and regulation uh, in industry. So GDPR is gonna, a good example of this. And, uh, you know, again, this is where, again, on one side of the coin, you know, we always protect and, um, you know, maintain, again, certain compliance for PI data, data, right? So, you know, I'm always gonna protect my customer data and those are the customer records that I have to host and manage. And on the other side, um, you know, what we do is we offer customers services and platforms to ensure, um, you know, and maintain compliance on their uh, uh, data and the data that they're managing. So, uh, again, you know, what we do here is um, offer a hybrid platform whereby, again, if a customer has regulatory conditions where, again, data sovereignty is really important, they need to know where the data is, where the data is stored, you know, we can use our regional data centers to support that, especially again, if there's conditions whereby, or even sometimes it's just a comfort level of putting your data in hyperscale cloud. So again, this is where the multi-cloud, hybrid cloud sort of approach becomes extremely interesting for our customers, because again, they have that flexibility and ability to actually say, no, I, I need my data to stay in one place or, you know, Aptim, can you help me build a model whereby, yes, I, I, you know, have the ability to to move data around, but in a private, efficient manner with the right security controls on my data. So, I mean, again, when we deal with our customers, we even have an addendum in our contracts that speaks to how we handle data, and it, it's all about transparency. So, in this case, again, you know, we want to create a solid understanding about what our role is in that specific regulatory requirement and again i think you've heard before how security itself is sort of that that shared responsibility across the organization well so is compliance again you know and this is where we advise and and talk to customers about compliance to help them understand our role in compliance versus what their role is because sometimes mm -hmm. it, yeah it absolutely i think you alluded to it, it it's not always understood right you're not because you're not the data owner, you're just uh, the a service provider that happens to be storing the data. So they have to be responsible um, if their customers are requesting, hey, delete my data or show me what data you have on me. It's not Aptim's job to do that. It's the customer's job.
Yeah, and, and again, it, like one of the services that we offer is around PCI. So we have PCI zones in our data centers, right? And you know, those are all controls around the payment card industry, you uh, data yeah. security yeah. standard. You're talking information. about now. We're never going to look at the credit card information again. I'm going to provide you a platform, a secured platform. But again, yes, the data itself is the customer's responsibility. So I'm going to make sure that, yeah, Mr. Customer, you could satisfy your auto requirements based on the services I'm delivering. But then there is again responsibility on you, to your point, on the data itself. Okay, well that's great. A great way to put that. Just picking up on what you're saying about moving workloads around, uh, and there's this idea of having portable workloads. I mean, in these in the sophisticated cloud environments that you can build now, uh, we have more container orchestration services out there available. A lot of people building their apps in a way that uh, can be run anywhere at any time. And um, I'm wondering if that will factor into this regulatory environment. You raised the idea there that some customers might want to be ready to move their data from one place to another, uh, just just to have that business continuity plan in place there. and Or maybe even they're taking advantage of edge computing. So they're delivering a container all the way out to some sort of edge device where connectivity uh, is less reliable. So uh, to finish us off here, what's the advice you'd give them uh, on how to orchestrate those workloads that can go into the cloud and come back out and be able to uh, maintain their operability? What are some scenarios where you see customers doing that? Yeah, for sure. So let me just take it up a level too, because it has to start with governance. So again, if you're going to create these hybrid environments, and you know, I, I probably should have started explaining that a hybrid environment can be very complex. Again, you know, having said that, because of this complexity, it, it becomes challenging to customers, and obviously that that challenge becomes Aptim's opportunity to help. Um, but yeah, again, the, these hybrid environments can be very complex because now you're talking about again, yeah, moving data from one place to another, um, and considerations around that data that you have to make uh, or the application itself. And uh, again, yeah, it does go back to defining policy standards. Uh, that's what I mean by when I say governance, and then being able to uh, manage that uh, governance. So again, you know, you get into quickly the use of very specific tools. You know how to create visibility across these hybrid environments. So again, you know we've seen a proliferation of cloud management platforms um, that are being used to uh, really provide visibility into hyperscale public cloud, but at the same time too provide visibility into the data centers through a single pane of glass. And that that was just as a result again of those complex environments that needed to be simplified in a in a very specific way, so I could govern the deployment and management of those workloads, application and data. Yeah. And Craig, just just to break that down a little bit more, because uh, what you're saying here is really interesting. Um, but, you know, when you talk about uh, the visibility you want, you're, you're saying that you want to have a, on one screen on your desktop, right? So you're working on your monitor um, and you want to be able to have some visibility into the entire data center, uh, whether that be in the cloud, right? The cloud infrastructure, I'm using the workloads that I have deployed to AWS or Azure or wherever it may be, and uh, the, the workloads I have deployed to my own. So you're saying that um, this is a design that companies need to work towards in order to manage their hybrid cloud environments. Correct, yeah. It, again, it, it always goes back to that uh, sort of trifecta 
around again, just just understanding your your strategies for people, um, you know, the processes and governance that you use, but the technology itself. So, I mean, yeah, again, you know, the right tooling, the right governance, the right policies in place. Yeah, it, right. it does make for easier management across those different hybrid models, especially again, if if the goal is to really simplify these designs, both from an architectural perspective and what we don't usually talk about a lot is the operational aspect. Right. So, you know, again, with the introduction of cloud, you know, there's a debate whether cloud is an architecture or an operating model. And and the truth is, yeah, it's a little of both, but more impactful to the organization mm -hmm. is the operating model, because what you did in the data center doesn't necessarily apply to how you do it in cloud. And this is why we have things like secured landing zones in cloud, because we got more intelligent about how to deploy workloads in cloud and the fact that, you, again, you need to set up different controls, um, uh, different hardening models, uh, again, very basic things just around networking and security that were needed before you even drop an application into the cloud. So yeah, I think to your point, again, it, it really changed the thinking of a lot of folks because you, you needed almost uh, two sides of your brain to figure out again, how I run a workload in cloud versus how I run it in the data center. Uh, Greg, it's too often that I don't even feel I have one side of my brain available to me these days, but uh, I appreciate you lending me your full brain for the duration of this podcast. Thanks so much for sharing your insights on Tech Insights. And for our listeners out there, if you're listening and you haven't subscribed yet, why are you waiting? You can subscribe to us on Spotify. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and really wherever else you get your podcasts. And hey, if you are listening, on Apple Podcasts. We'd love it if you could rate us. Give us a review. Thanks so much. I'm your host, Brian Jackson.